When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hi, I'm Dr. Caroline Leaf and welcome to my podcast, Cleaning Up the Mental Mess, where I try to help you work out simple strategies to manage your mental health and help you get to a sense of peace in the day-to-day struggles and dealing with all those hard-established traumas and experiences that we've gone through. So thank you for joining me. And in today's podcast, I'm going to be talking about anxiety and another way of looking at anxiety and giving you some tips to manage anxiety. And I think in this day and age, it's probably a very important thing to, to do and we always need to deal with, you know, all of us battle with anxiety. But before we begin, if you want to listen to any of my podcasts ad-free and have bonus content and live Q&As, then subscribe to my Patreon account. The link and the details will be in the show notes. And also, as I always say, these podcasts are for educational purposes and are not medical advice. So please always contact your the appropriate medical professional for medical advice. And now on to today's episode about anxiety. Before we dive into today's podcast, I want to tell you about an exciting new project, one many of you have been asking for, which is now open for enrollment my NeuroCycle Certified Facilitator Program. This program is a four-day in-person training with me where you'll learn the fundamentals of my theory and the NeuroCycle so you can use these strategies with your clients and to elevate your coaching business or private practice. Our first training is August 3rd through 6th and takes place in Dallas, Texas. When you become a certified facilitator, you'll join our exclusive directory, which goes out to hundreds of thousands of people looking for extra help with their mental health. This means that finding clients will become even easier and you'll become part of our private network of facilitators where you can meet and connect with like-minded individuals, get help and have access to many great resources. Spots are extremely limited and already filling up. So if you're interested, just go to neurocycleinstitute.com for more details and to register for our first training. And for just a few days, we are offering 25% off. Just use the code INAUG25, that's I-N-A-U-G-25. The link and details will be in the show notes. So anxiety is often pitched as an illness. And we talk about, we hear spoken about anxiety disorders and panic attacks, which are associated with that. You get general anxiety disorder. So we see a lot of of literally taxonomies, names, diagnoses that can be quite scary. So I want to present another angle to you that is very scientific. And I think it will be very freeing to help you. But, you know, first of all, let's just face the fact that we all battle with mind issues. And anxiety is not an uncommon experience. 
all humans battle at some point in their life, if not every day, with levels of anxiety. So anxiety can be seen as an as a as a warning signal, and I'm going to come on to that in a moment. But let's just look at this whole concept of mental health very quickly, which I talk about all the time, and then I'm going to relate it specifically to anxiety. And that is that we all battle with mental health issues. We all have day-to-day struggles. We all have relationship issues and business issues and life issues and academic issues and children issues and parent issues and, and political issues and socioeconomic life is a struggle. We all know that. I'm not saying something you don't know. So we must distinguish between the fact that we have mental health issues. All of us, it's a common human response and it's very normal and it's okay to be messy and we can clean up the mess, okay? Which is what I try and help you with on this podcast. Then we can also have mental health problems, which is where the issues have accumulated into something that's got out of hand and where it's very important to get support and help. And that's sort of on that the scale that I always use of, say, from one to 10. So the normal, the sort of day-to-day stuff is around one, one to five. And as things start moving beyond six, seven, eight, up to 10, that's when things are becoming, the issues have become problems. And what we always want to try and do is catch those issues and manage those issues before they become problems. But sometimes we can have mental health problems and high levels of anxiety because of some acute issue that's happened in our life, some major trauma, et cetera, et cetera. So we'll also be doing more podcasts on trauma. I've done more. I've done a lot before. You can go through and see all my different podcasts. But today I specifically want to talk about the concept of anxiety and mental health. As we know, anxiety has tripled over the pandemic, or you may or may not have known, but you've guessed. <laughs> and that is a very normal response to adverse circumstances. And when I say anxiety is normal, it is a normal response. Okay, so anxiety is a warning signal. It's a response. It's not an illness. So when environment becomes challenging, we are encoding that environment into us and we are responding. And that response, if it's toxic, like the things we've gone through over COVID, for example, the isolation, the uncertainty, the grief, the, and so on, all and the changes in society and kids aren't going to school and just normal disruption of day-to-day life and all, that, all, all these massive things, we've all encoded that. We've all wired that in because it's not just about you alone. It's about you in your environment. So everything we've gone through, the loneliness, the uncertainty, the political issues around it, the uncertainty around all the elements, vaccines, masking, the arguments, the fight, that's all wired into us in our own unique perception of how we're seeing that. That's coded in. If we think of the human brain being like a computer and we think of the software that operates the computer being like the mind. So the brain is, the brain is like the computer and our mind is like the software driving the computer. Not an uncommonly used analogy, but think of this computer of the brain is way, way, way more complex than a normal computer, but it's a really good way of understanding it. So the human brain is the hardware, very, very complex, very unique to you. And so the hardware is the, you know, the hardware brain, similar kind, just as an analogy to understand it. And then the software is the mind that to that is in the the computer making the computer work. So the software makes the computer work. So the software is in the brain making the brain work. And that software is the mind. And so our experiences are like the software being coded into the into the computer. Software, the experience software being encoded into the brain. And so that code we are just by the nature of our structure of the mind-brain-body interaction, just by the fact that it's not just you, it's you in the world. Your environment is impacting you from the moment that you are at a certain point in the womb to the age you're at today. So moment by moment, all the time, your brain is changing and changing and changing. 
in response to these experiences. So your code keeps changing and going into your brain. Now, what we can't control that. That's happening. Wherever you, whatever you are in living in, the environment that you're living in, what you're being exposed to is coding into your brain and your body. What we can do is edit the code. Okay. So we can edit that code, which means that we can change how it looks inside of the brain, that wiring, the, the, the way that the experience is into the, in, in the brain. So this, let's say, for example, the software isn't working properly or the software that was put in is, is, is affecting how the computer functions and it's showing up with all these problems. We can then look at the problems and fix the software. And in fixing the software, we need to find the source of where that problem came in the first place. And, and, and as humans, we can do that. So we have this editing capacity to be able to look at how we are functioning and then work backwards to editing and fixing that and finding the source. And you can't change where the, what, where the source, what the source is, but by knowing the source, you have more information to change the software so that it works for you and is not blocking you. And sometimes we can do that on our own. And this podcast and my books and everything are all about helping you to understand that you have this ability to change your brain neuroplasticity, edit the code, you know, all this languaging. And also to encourage you that we need help from each other. It's not just about you. It's about you in the world, as I love to say, and I've already said. And that means that the world impacts you, but also that we impact others and others impact us. So it's we really do need to sometimes get support. Sometimes we can be in that mental health problem. That has gone from it's it's not an issue now it's not it's not something you can cope with maybe on your own it's become a problem where you feel like you can't make decisions where you feel so overwhelmed where you feel so anxious that you can't actually manage the problem and on your own and so in other words that like that's when you need to go to Apple say that this computer is just like I can't do anything help and you're getting help and they identify look at the hardware and the software and see what is going on and adjust that. Additionally, our computer needs to be plugged in there to get power. Otherwise, it doesn't have energy. So that's also what our mind is. Our, our mind is providing the energy to the brain so that the brain can function. This provides energy, power to the computer so the computer can be used, so that the software can go in and the software can be used. So another function of mind besides, uh, besides coding in the environment that's happening regardless editing what's coded in and is also providing the energy source to the brain and the body to keep the brain and the body going. So when we did, that energy source is removed, the editing function is removed and the ability of the brain to code in the environment has been removed because the brain no longer is activated in the correct way because you're dead. Okay, so that's a quick reminder of mind-brain-body interaction and on the foundation of that, let's look at anxiety and look at it differently and look at some tips. So, I mean... Coming back to today, there's lots to be anxious about. There's lots to be worried about from the uncertainty of a global pandemic to turbulent elections, worldwide protests, political fighting, infighting. It does at times seem like we're in an apocalypse and it's easy to feel overwhelmed. I mean, kids are back at school. I mean, there's just, there's just, we, we know there's a lot. And so it's easy to feel overwhelmed, stressful, fearful. And indeed, these are normal human reactions to adverse circumstances. Okay, so however, the good news is that we don't have to be controlled by these feelings. We can, as I've been explaining, we can edit them if we understand what the feeling is and how what it's attached to, because feelings never occur in isolation. I'm going to explain that in depth in a moment. We can't always control the circumstances of life. And that's really very evident. But we can learn to edit what's happened in our life. We have the power to determine how these emotions, these experiences impact us. 
in terms of the changes we can make. So the experience happens, it's in, then we're going to look at how we can change that. Okay, so it's also everyone experiences anxiety from time to time. As I've already said, this is completely normal. I, don't, I want to stress that. Often there are times in our life where the stuff accumulates and it's okay to be anxious when this happens. I'm all about telling you it's okay to be anxious. It's okay to be depressed. It's okay to feel these emotions. What we, not, what we need to do is we need to not let them rule us. We need to manage them. We need to clean up the mental mess. We need to edit the impact. Okay, so cleaning up the mental mess is editing the impact. And in this case, anxiety is one of the ways that we can look at the impact of what's happened in our life on us. So anxiety isn't an illness per se. It isn't an illness. It is actually a warning signal giving us information about what we need to edit. So we can, by looking at anxiety and whatever, and, and the other things that anxiety is attached to, we can then look at what we need to, what we need to edit. We can look at the, the problems with the software. To find the problems with the software, we have to see what it's doing. So emotions are what the software is doing. So we're feeling anxiety. Anxiety is going to show up with other emotions as well. It's also going to show up in how we feel in our body. I mean, we all know that anxiety, that gut-wrenching stomach ache, that tension in your shoulders, that anxiety, headache, etc. So it's immediately, anxiety is always attached to a bodily signal. It's always attached to behaviors. Okay, so what are you doing? How are you reacting? Are you irritable? Are you shouting more, etc.? And it's always attached to a perspective, how you're looking at a situation, how you're looking at life. So outlook, attitude, etc. And those are moments, those can happen in a moment. You can be in a good mood and good emotions and good behaviors and good body signals and good perspective. Something can happen and that can shift. And so there can be momentary changes in the day-to-day life. And there's also overarching changes where there's patterns in our life that are more established and have created a general emotional, behavioral, bodily and outlook kind of way of living. And so anxiety helps us to, is one of the clues that help that and as a warning signal that is giving us information to help us to recognize what we need to edit. So it's pointing us in that direction. So we must embrace anxiety as opposed to fearing anxiety. I'm sure it will come as no surprise to you that to think well and manage your mental health, your brain needs proper nourishment. But many of us don't have the time to take multiple different products all day long for better brain and body health, more energy and optimized immune systems. This is why I love Athletic Greens. It has just what I need in one drink. Best of all, it doesn't taste like it's super healthy, honestly. Athletic Greens has a mild tropical taste that I actually look forward to each morning when I wake up. Even my husband, who can't stand things that taste too green, loves his Athletic Greens in the morning. With one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your brain, your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging. All the things. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com forward slash leaf. Again, that is athleticgreens.com forward slash leaf to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. The link and offer details will be in the show notes. So the key here is managed. And that's the editing concept. How we manage anxiety is in a large part based on how we view anxiety. So managing anxiety means reframing those anxious thoughts or reconceptualizing 
them as they arise. So if we see anxiety as a disease, so this is the reframing of anxiety, looking at it not as a disease, but as a warning signal. Illnesses, emotions are not illnesses. Anxiety is an emotion. Anxiety is not an illness. This is a reframing that I'm doing, okay? So we reconceptualize and see rather see anxiety as something else. So if we just see anxiety as a disease or a biochemical or neurochemical or neuropsychiatric brain disease, it can be pretty scary, okay? It can even make us feel hopeless, and I don't want you to feel hopeless. I also want you to have the correct information and the correct science. This label, like getting then you've generalized anxiety disorder, you, you're getting a label, you're getting a diagnosis, you're getting the description from a taxonomy, the DSM being a, like a taxonomy of terms, but it's not telling you how, you, how it's impacting you, it's just describing that it's just describing if it if you get it as a label general anxiety disorder it's just limiting the the label's very limiting it's not telling us how you got there what is that actually telling you what happens how does it make you feel where does it come from what's your whole story so as one psychiatrist says that i've heard saying you can't just polish the hood by labeling and medicating or whatever you've got to look under the hood or as one other psychiatrist that I follow as well talks about you stand on a nail that causes you pain you can't just treat the pain you have to remove the nail you have to look at the source of the pain which is the nail and remove the nail you'll still have the scar but okay so if we just see anxiety as a disease it creates hopelessness but if we see anxiety as to see it in another way we can anxiety as a way of as I keep saying a signal then we are much more empowered to be able to actually mitigate and manage it which is this editing thing that I'm talking about, which is this mind management that I'm talking about and that I talk about throughout this podcast. It's hope more hopeful, it's kinder, it's less stigmatizing, and it's actually more scientific. Anxiety can be seen as a warning signal, a helpful messenger. It's scary. I'm not denying that it's awful to feel anxiety. I'm not denying that it's now going to be all nice if you embrace it. It'll be feel worse. It's nicer to distract and go away from it. And we can talk about temporary distractions in a moment, but Essentially, it's it, unless dealt with, anxiety is your mind, brain, and body looking after you. It's telling you something's going on that you either need to mitigate, manage, edit on your own, or on your own with the help of others. This is where therapy, counseling, coaching becomes so important. So it's telling us that there's something going on in our lives that needs attention. There's something below the hood. There is a nail in the foot. Okay, something is threatening our peace and survival. And this framing points to the narrative that is related to anxiety or what has happened to make us feel this way. What's the nail? What's under the hood? Rather than just focusing on a biological root as the cause of the anxiety. Or why won't the software work? Or what's blocking? Because we know, I know, you know, anxiety can be absolutely crippling. It can block your ability to just have that decent conversation. Do your work. Drive a car. Get through the day, you wake up with that hovering anxiety. It's terrible, impacting your sleep. Everything gets impacted. So, it definitely needs addressing. This may sound great, and I think it is great. And, but what happens now? I want to go to the reality of what happens when you're suddenly faced with some really bad news, or you're just going along nicely in your work day, and someone says something that just like, oh my gosh, that just makes you so anxious on the spot, or social media, something happens and it shuts you down in a panic. And it's in these moments, okay, that it's great to have an anxiety-reducing toolbox. So in the rest of this podcast, I'm going to give you an anxiety-reducing toolbox based on this concept of you using the toolbox to help you edit 
the edit the code of which the anxiety is the signal telling you about what you need to edit. Okay, so all the little things I'm going to tell you now are like editing tools. So it's like an anxiety toolbox. So the main thing hitting you in the face in this particular episode on anxiety is this very strong emotion of anxiety. And so the very first thing that we need to do is overarching concept before I dive into the technique and I'll re- and I'll draw this thread throughout all the techniques is that we need to embrace that anxiety because it's not an illness. It is a messenger and it is telling us what else is going on. And we need to realize that anxiety has is, is, is attached to bodily symptoms, behaviors and perspective. And all of those, so those, these four warning signals, it doesn't operate in isolation. Anxiety never operates in isolation. Anxiety comes with a bodily response, with a behavioral response, with a perspective response. And those four signals collectively take us to the, how we feel, what's behind that. What are we thinking? What's going on right now that we are thinking, that we are saying, and that internal talk that has produced those signals? So what's going on in our mind? And what and and and, um, and as I focus on that, I'm actually looking at the thought. Where's that held? That how I interpret myself is held inside of a thought. And as we know, thoughts look like trees. I've mentioned that before. They have a tree-like structure in the brain. So there's a neuron with dendrites, and the thought, the the details are the memories, and they cluster together to form a thought. So and these produce the signals of anxiety, of which anxiety is one. So this this has produced that anxiety. So when we edit the code, we're looking at the signals of anxiety plus the others to find this part, to find the thought. And the first thing that we see on the thought is what we're saying about ourselves, our interpretation, what we're thinking, feeling, and choosing that is behind those signals. And then from there, we can go deeper and find the source, okay? And that's editing the code, okay? So that's the basic overarching principle. So let's talk about a few techniques to help us to manage these in-the-moment anxiety experiences. So the first thing is see your anxiety as a learning experience. So see the emotional warning signal of anxiety as a learning experience. So I'm going to learn from this. I'm going to learn from this anxiety. I know it's attached to these other four signals. It's going to take me to the thought and to the source. So it's a learning experience. When you're experiencing intense anxious feelings. It can be very hard to feel in control and to work through these emotions. So one thing I recommend, and it's not easy, but so effective that it gets better with practice. I promise you, it does get better with practice. I can speak from my own experience. My experience as a mother of four kids, and I've taught this to them, and as a therapist, okay, and as a friend. I've helped, and I help myself with this all the time. I've learned it gets better, and that is to ask yourself, what can I learn from this? So You've had an anxious moment. We know it's a warning signal. It's not an illness. It's attached to these other things. So what, what have I learned from this? What am I learning from this? Okay, this experience. And, and an easy way to start that is to say, okay, what, what, what am I feeling in my body? What is my behavior? What's my perspective? Grab those four signals because that then gets you into sort of a gathering awareness state, which then brings this, starts bringing this into conscious awareness. You won't see it all yet, but the minute you start doing what I say, you, what I've just explained, you're weakening this, you're shifting the power balance. This is the editing process, okay? So ask yourself the question, in that crippling moment, what can I learn from this? Anxiety is not an illness, what can I learn from this? Or what is the situation telling me about myself? So I'm going from that signal of anxiety, adding the other three, behavior, body, 
and perspective and what is it telling me about myself? What am I saying about myself? Simple questions like this. What can I learn? What is the situation telling me about myself? Can make the biggest difference when it comes to your mental health and resilience. This technique works really well if you use it along with another technique that I have developed called the multiple perspective advantage. And it's also not something new. I've just labeled it that and specified it. It's that we have this ability to get multiple perspectives. And when you're in the midst of an anxiety attack, it's very hard to see anything except the anxiety that you're feeling. So you want to be able to get multiple perspectives. So what we do know from the brain science research, and if you tap down into the periods in your life where you haven't felt anxious, you have this ability to actually stand back and observe yourself. And when you force yourself to get into that state, then you can stand back and look at yourself going through that anxiety. And in that stage, there's, you create a little bit of distancing. So you may have heard of the technique of distancing, and that's what this is drawing on. And what we see when you do that is it fires up the frontal lobe of the brain and it allows a lot of gamma activity to flow from the back to the front, high gamma activity, which is great because in that moment, you really want to be able to literally almost clinically distance you from you. And then that enables you to actually ask that question. So step into that mode. This is not who I am. It's a good way to step into the MPA. This is not who I am. This is what I've become because of. This is what I'm showing up as because of. Step back into that mode. Step back into myself and then start saying, okay, what can I learn from this? What is this telling me about myself? So the anxiety and the three other signals, you're going to ask that question of those things. Okay. So this creates a strong integrated energy flow throughout the brain with driven by gamma, which helps you see multiple ways of viewing a situation. And I really know it's hard. I said this already, but seriously, when you see multiple views, multiple perspectives, when you can stand back, when you can do this little exercise, and the more you do it, the better you get, it's a lifesaver. It really is. Okay, so then the next thing, distract yourself temporally. So we all hear that distractions are so bad and you must deal with your stuff. And, and you've heard me say, don't suppress stuff. And true, you don't suppress stuff. But sometimes you can't deal with it at this moment. Maybe you've got to go into a meeting. You've got to finish the rest of your day. You've got to drive your car home. You've got to pick up kids from school. You've got to go into a major business meeting. You've got to do something creative. You've got to do a podcast. Life, okay? So, or you may just be over the weekend or at home or in the evening and you just can't deal with it now because it's just too much. You need a little bit of space. So you may be in a situation where you're at home and you're struggling and it's the evening and you're not at work, you're not driving, you're not dealing with anyone, but you're in this tremendous state of anxiety. It could be just before you go to sleep or it could be that you've woken up in the night and this is when temporarily distracting yourself may is, is actually a very good thing. We're not always ready to deal with big stuff. You know, I talk about neurocycling daily for 63 days and sometimes as you start the five steps, you're going to gather awareness and realize, I can't do this today. So your five steps becomes one of, okay, let me create a temporary distraction and do this temporary distraction, which may be, I'm going to read a book, a fiction book that's going to take my mind off this. That's what a distraction is. I'm going to do a quick workout. I'm going to phone a friend and just chat about nothing to do with this, just like distraction. So it's a temporary distraction that you can do. One, one, another thing that you can do that is, I've told you about before, but I'm going to tell you again, which is great as a distraction, is to do the 10-second pause six to nine times. And that's that when you breathe in for three, but super deep so that your rib cage, like really your belly really like fills with oxygen. And then you force it out for seven counts through your nose. And you repeat that 10-second three in, seven out. 
at least six to nine times at 60 to 90 seconds. And that's a great way of calming down the neurophysiology, getting the oxygen back, getting that gamma wave flowing and helping you then to, you know, continue with getting that anxiety a little bit under control. You can go longer if you want, you can go less if you want, but you may want to start there and then you may have to do that first and then do the, become aware of the, the anxiety, the point one that I did, asking what, what have I learned from this? What, have, what am I saying about myself? Those, those questions in number one. So you may want to shift these around. You may do this before you do the other one. And then, as I said, other temporary distractions are things like, you know, watch a movie, go for a walk, talk to someone, that you just need a bit of space before you dive in and deal with the issue. When you do deal with the issue, I do recommend that you get into the neurocycle, either from the book or the app, and we are walk you through therapeutically through the process to find out, okay, there's this pattern of anxiety in your life. What's it attached to? Where is it coming from? And that whole deconstruction, reconstruction process is the whole editing of the code that we then have to decode and recode so that the software works, that's going to happen in cycles of 63 days. So we literally living with, need to live with this process because there's big things that we need to fix and there's little things that we need to fix in the moment. So we're forever editing our code. But we can't edit our code if we don't notice the signal. One of the biggest signals, that's a real in-your-face signal, is anxiety. Okay? And then another one, don't go to bed anxious. I mean, I know that's, you know, you're probably saying, oh gosh, how on earth do I do that? You know, better said than done. I've gone to bed anxious myself a few times, but I'm learning along with you guys. We're learning together. But if you feel anxious at night, what you can do is, and you've probably tried this before, but as you get into bed and you feel that anxiety or before you get into bed and you feel that anxiety, you can write down your thoughts. Okay. So what you can do if you're in the NeuroCycle app, you can go to wherever you are and go to the active reach which is a statement that helps you to be grounded and stay calm and focus and prevent yourself ruminating and overthinking and so on. And it helps to practice the new thought. You can go and find that and then just practice saying that or write that out. The process of writing is a way of getting better control over your brain. You actually, does a lot of things, but it, in this situation, it helps you get better control over your brain and over the non-conscious that you're consciously controlling the toxic drivers so these become drivers, automatic drivers in our non-conscious mind. And our non-conscious mind is always working in your favor to get these under control. But if these had a lot, have had a lot of attention and you're not listening to, and you haven't tuned in enough to your the wise part of you, the resilience part of you, the wired for love part of you, then these things can be very dominating. So essentially, what I want to say in very simple language is that when these non-conscious thoughts when these things come up as you're going to sleep and you don't want to sit and do a whole neurocycle then and work through that, it'll keep you awake and it's not maybe the time to do that then. It's just by writing it down and say, okay, I'm going to work on this tomorrow. I'm going to start a 63-day cycle or this is part of a maybe I'm day 15 already of the neurocycle and this has come up and it's making me anxious. I'm going to note that down. So you're writing it down and you are getting control of it. So that's one of the ways of not going into your sleep time anxious. And you, and you say to yourself, and you tell yourself, I acknowledge, I feel like this. This is another element that I didn't realize that's now popped up, or I haven't started a neurocycle yet, so I'll start one, or I'm on day 13, and this, I didn't realize this when I worked on it today, but this has come up now. Acknowledge it. Don't just shove it away. But then you're going to not meditate on it because you want to go to sleep. And unless you really feel like sitting down and trying to work through a neurocycle at that point, and work it out. But if you're tired and want to go to sleep, I would recommend, you know, write that down 
and then go into a temporary distraction. You know, maybe read a really nice fiction book. That's a great story to distract yourself, as which is one of the previous examples. So the simple act of writing things down brings balance back into the mind and the brain. Okay, and it helps the brain, as I already mentioned. It when it when you're writing, it actually helps us to control the brain. It's a way of controlling the brain, going out of you know all over the place and controlling those those non-conscious drivers that are toxic that want to just control your brain. So it's a way of you of you allowing yourself to step into your wise mind, the and then controlling the messy mind because the non-conscious is filled with messiness that drives us non-consciously, automatically. And it's got all the wise part that's always trying to get rid of those. And sometimes we just ignore the the wise mind trying to get rid of those and we just get stuck looking at the mess. I mean, we've all done that. And just one, it breeds itself, you know, just viral, one thing and you'll think of another, another, and another, and your eyes burst wide open. So the simple act of writing things down brings balance back in the brain and helps produce feel-good chemicals like serotonin and dopamine. And, and when I say one chemical, I always want you to bear in mind that nothing works in isolation in the brain, mind, and body. Everything works in tandem. So when serotonin changes, cortisol changes, other hormones change, your brain structures change, the flow of blood changes, the energy. So everything has a downstream effect. One tiny change in a code makes a massive difference. One tiny change in, in an, a mind action makes massive difference in your whole neurophysiology. So just be encouraged that you really are actually affecting change in your brain and your body as you do these things. Okay, so indeed, one of the best things about writing is that it weakens the impact and hold that that anxious thought, which is producing the anxiety to try and make you pay attention to this and edit it, it actually weakens the impact, destabilizes the impact that that thought has over you in your mind, brain, and body. So some statements to help you with this at night are things like, okay, I acknowledge that I worried, but whatever, and then whatever it is, but here's like a kind of an antidote statement. I did my best today and that's good enough. My level of productivity or checklist does not determine my self-worth. Tomorrow is another day for me to use my skills and talents to help others. I'm going to focus on what I did, not what I didn't do. Today I learned X, Y, and Z, and I'm so grateful for X, Y, and Z. I'm proud of myself for doing X, even if it was terrible, but I'm still tired. Like, I'm so bad at TikToks. I've just started doing TikToks. So by the way, if you want to follow me on TikTok, go follow me on TikTok because it's a different way that I'm presenting information and have patience with me because they're not as good as they could be yet. But I'm learning. And I had such anxiety the other night because I just like couldn't get this right. We did like 40 takes on one and I just couldn't get it right. And I went to bed and I told myself, okay, this is not worth being anxious about. I acknowledged that what I was anxious about. I knew I, I recognized the source. And I told myself, I'm proud of myself for doing 40 takes on one TikTok. I've now learned what doesn't work. It helped me so much, I went to sleep. And the next day, I kind of got it right. And every day, I'm getting better and better. So don't forget to follow me on TikTok so you can see how good I'm getting. <laughs> okay, so another one. My thoughts and feelings are temporary and will pass. So these, you're always changing. This is the most amazing thing. You're never the same. So even our past experiences, they never go away, but they can be changed. Editing is, is your superhero, is your superpower. You always have this like superpower concept, but it, it's, it's a nice way of looking at it, this ability to edit with help when we need it. Okay. And then number four, have a game plan when you start getting worried about the future. So that's another thing that can bring so much anxiety. So if you know that you are a worrier about the future, then when you're not worrying about the future, have a game plan. Write that down. So when you're in bed at night and you're getting anxious or when you're having that anxiety moment at work or in the car or wherever, 
that you've got your game plan to fall back on, that you can maybe add to and change and so on and so on. So worrying about the future tricks us into believing we can control the future. So the worry kind of is a trick. It's a distorted trick because it makes us kind of think, okay, if I worry, I can control the future. But we can't control the future. We can just try and be as plan, as resilient, build up our resilience as much as possible. So everything I'm teaching you is actually helping you activate your natural resilience to help you in the future. Okay, whether the future's in an hour or tomorrow or next year. So worry is a very, very understandable attempt to reduce uncertainty. I don't know what's going to happen, so I'm worried. So use that worry. It's not bad. It doesn't mean you're crazy. It doesn't mean you have an illness. Worry is another signal that goes hand in hand with anxiety. It's another warning signal. They go hand in hand. And if we use them, if we look at them, if we embrace them, if we look at the, the others, the, what they attach to the behaviors and warning, the other warning signals, and let them lead you to the thought, and you can see what your inner talk is. This is literally this part, your inner talk. That's the source of your inner talk, okay? And all of that is how you show up. Okay, so when you allow worry and anxiety to take you to that road, you're getting the control back. So even though you're still going to be feeling worried, the worry starts shifting, the power starts shifting. So for a healthy approach to uncertainty, worry, anxiety, that combination, to step out of destructive worry and anxiety and into constructive worry, some of the things that you you want to have a game plan. And some of the things in the game plan are identify what uncertainty is causing you to worry the most and therefore feel anxious. Okay, I'll say that again. So for this game plan that you're going to do when you're not worried <laughs> or when you're just a little bit worried, identify what uncertainty is causing you to feel worry and therefore increasing your level of anxiety. Second thing, create the game plan for the best and worst outcomes. Okay, so identify the uncertainty, write it down. Now, create based on that, what's a game plan? And do a game plan for if it works out well, if it works out badly, and you can do some in between. You don't have to just do the best and worst. Your mental health is and should be a priority. I learned this from my friend, Dr. Daniel Amen, who is a renowned psychiatrist, neuroscientist, and founder of Amen Clinics. The Amen Clinics are unique because they use a comprehensive and holistic approach, including brain spect imaging, to treat mental health issues. I visited an MN clinic and seen Dr. MN in action, and I was able to see for myself how brain scans show that many mental health conditions, such as ADD, anxiety, and depression, are often not caused by just one thing. That's why giving everyone the same treatment will never work, so you can get a treatment plan that's targeted to your needs. I love that the doctors at MN clinics use natural therapies wherever possible. To find out how you can change your brain and change your life, visit amenclinics.com forward slash Dr. Leaf. If you book, you'll get 10% off an evaluation when you use the promo code DrLeaf10 at checkout. The link and offer details will also be in the show notes. Another thing you can do for it as a game plan is, which is a really fun one, and it's like not having all the solutions, but it is giving yourself a time limit. Say, okay, I'm feeling anxious and worried now about the future. I'm giving myself five minutes. You set your timer on your phone or whatever, and and you worry. And in that worry, identify the uncertainty, look at the worst, worst and best. Five minutes up, boom, stop, carry on with your work. Grab your active reach that you've been working on that day or create one. Say, okay, I've got this under control. I'm not worrying anymore. I'm going to carry on with my day. I will work on this again tomorrow. I'll do it in the neurocycle. That's a great active reach that I've just described, which is the fifth step of the neurocycle. And the neurocycle, for those of you that don't know what it is, is the system I've developed over 38 years of research. That is how you get to do this editing thing of getting your mind-brain connection under control and 
helping us deal with the struggles of life. Number five, surround yourself with the right kind of people, okay? Who you hang out with can hinder or help your emotional well-being. Who you hang out with is coding into your brain, okay? So people that you hang out with are like really making you feel bad about yourself. You need to be around people that are lifting you up. I'll have a conversation with someone in interviewing a podcast that I come away from feeling like a million dollars. And then I may be, meet someone at work who just makes me feel torn down. So I'm careful about, you know, how I handle that and protect myself. Okay. So it doesn't mean you reject that person. It just means that be careful, be aware. You merge with your environments, you code that in. And then you're going to, if you let it code in too deeply, there's more editing to be done. But if you're proactive, you can kind of edit in advance. So you can go in with your like editing, editing skills already happening that, okay, this is, I'm in this environment, I'm going to hear this, but this is what I'm going to do to edit the code as it goes in so it doesn't go into my brain wired in a way that I know I'm a mess. Okay, so remind yourself it's okay to surround yourself with people who are good for your mental health. Take note of how certain people make you feel, as I've said, and take note of the people you are around when you are your happiest and truest self. These are the people who you need to be around more, especially when you feel very anxious or fearful. So that temporary distraction, which was one of the points, if you you can be around, remember I said go be around a person, phone a person or whatever. So when you're feeling anxious, find that, that person that you feel good around, that's the person you phone and say, hey, can we hang out? I need to go for coffee. I need to chat. Or can we just chat on the phone or on Zoom or whatever? Okay. So that's part of your toolboxes to find those people. So, and that then puts all this good energy, good coding into you and activate your resilience. And then you're stronger to deal with these issues. Okay. Because that, that are creating the anxiety and so on, because there's multiple things that will create anxiety. So we have anxiety about a bunch of different things. So it's very important that we are constantly developing our resilient resilience. And we are a lot more resilient than what we realize, but we've got to develop that resilience. And it's different for all of us. Okay. We all uniquely develop our resilience in our own unique way. Remember, it's not only okay to put up boundaries, it's essential, but when you put up boundaries, it doesn't mean that they are not negotiable because the way that you, and this is part of surrounding yourself with kind people, so the people that aren't kind, you do need a boundary, but that boundary needs to be done a very compassionate way, compassionate for yourself, also realizing that you have impact on others. So you can't just suddenly throw up this wall and like, this is, I'm doing this because of this. I mean, I'm just doing this because I need to protect myself and don't do it aggressively, do it gently. I need this because of this. And that. And hear what that person said. They, they will tell you the impact. And you can, as far as, as it needs to go, and this is another whole discussion, but sometimes you may just have to adjust your boundary slightly, but it doesn't mean that you don't have to keep the boundary, but the, the explain why you need the boundary. And, and to maybe if you have to do a slight alteration, a little bit of negotiation, that's always good in a relationship. It doesn't mean you have to give in. It just means that there is a real a realization that there's an impact on that other person's life too. You're not going to compromise on your boundary, but you're going to negotiate to make it work for work as much as possible for the other person, but work for you so that we keep the kindness to ourselves and to others. We're very important, okay? Because that then helps them realize that they need to respect that boundary and maybe have some of their own. Remember, it's okay to say no to certain engagements. It's okay to end relationships that make you anxious. It's okay to move on. It's okay to say no. But, you know, explain as far as possible. Do it with kindness. It's okay to take breaks from certain people. It's okay to make yourself a priority. But that doesn't mean you become selfish or preoccupied. It means that you're doing that to take that, to create that space, to get perspective in order for you to deal with that anxiety that's been created from interacting with those people, if, if it's people or certain people that are causing you anxiety. And then number six is respond 
learn to respond and not react. React is quick on the spot and you're most likely going to regret. I did a whole podcast on responding versus reacting. Reacting increases anxiety. Responding decreases anxiety. So go listen to that podcast. And I'll just say a couple of things here. Learn to respond, not just react in situations. And also learn to respond and not just react to your anxiety. So when you feel anxious, don't just react by the, like, don't just have an automatic, don't dive into the behavior, the bodily symptom, and embrace it and move on. I mean, sort of like allow it to flow. In other words, I'm anxious, I've got a sore stomach, I'm shouting, and I hate the situation, and I'm going to stay there. And you, you like, you like in it. It's what I mean by, that's living it. Don't live it, don't react, don't allow it to carry on and, and, and show up and manifest or whatever word you want to use. Acknowledge it, grab it, go into the multiple perspective advantage, do the calming down, all these things, and find the message behind it. Otherwise, it's going to keep coming back and controlling you. You want to take the power out of that and you want to edit it, okay? And that's where also the breathing works really well. Number seven, you know, that seven, three, ten breathing, the, the, the three, seven, sorry, the three, seven breathing, the 10 second pause I already spoke about. Number seven, shift your attention. This is another great technique for in-the-moment anxiety. Although it's important that you acknowledge your anxiety, and I've said, it, said a lot about it, I've also said don't dwell on it. So it's immediately acknowledge and act. Go beyond just being mindful of the anxiety. That's not enough. It's the place where you start, but you need to go beyond. And that's why I say things like write it down if you're about to go to sleep, temporarily distract, do the breathing. But uh, we've always got to realize that we have to, sh- to go beyond. We have to at some point take what we've written down the, that last night when we were anxious, take what we've written down because we've got to go into the meeting, take what we've acknowledged and actually go through the cycle of, of go through the process of the neurocycle to deconstruct and reconstruct the source of that anxiety. Otherwise, it's going to keep coming back. Okay, so for every anxious thought you have, what you can do, this has a little quick trick in the moment for doing that. So you can't now go and do a whole neurocycle, you'll do it later, but you're in this moment and you are, have got to go and continue the day, whatever that looks like in your life, this is where you could do a quick one to three ratio. So this anxious thought comes up, stimulated or triggered by whatever, and then you can think of, okay, I acknowledge this, but now I'm going to shift to three positive things. I'm going to think of three good things, even if they're unrelated, three great things that are happening. Oh my gosh, this is such a powerful technique for calming down anxiety. You know, you can, by the time you've done the 90 second breathing, you can shift into this. All of these are so helpful. So you can use all of these or one of them or learn all of them and work out which is the best combo for you in whatever situation. That's why I'm giving you seven and you can look at how many you you want. So just to finish, I mean, how many you want to use at any one time. You might just use one, you might use all, you might use them in different ways and so on. But shifting your attention is acknowledging it, but not dwelling on it and a way to not dwell on it in the moment so that you can continue your day is for every anxious try think of three positive things these positive thoughts should be not be something vague like be happy okay you know that song they should include specific things that make you joyful that are grateful for you that you're grateful for in your life things that you appreciate things that make you laugh things that make you feel content so i'm anxious this is the anxious thought here now are three thoughts that aren't that are going to get me under control so here I'm about to do a TikTok, okay? I'm going to, after this podcast, do TikTok. So let me demonstrate this immediately because I'm immediately saying TikTok and I'm getting a knot in my stomach and my shoulders are tensing. So I'm acknowledging, I'm mindful. I know that I battle with these and I'm going to learn. 
and I mean, uh, and I've got this like tension in my gut. My shoulders are tight, so I'll do a ninety second. Re- I'll do the ten second pause six to nine times, and I'm going to think of three very specific things that make me content, that make me laugh, that make me appreciate life, that that I'm grateful for, that make me joyful. So immediately I think of my husband. I absolutely adore him. He adores me. We have such a fun relationship. Yes, we have our arguments, but he just makes me smile. And so I'll I'll focus on that. So it's not even related to TikTok, but I'm going to think of the way my husband will always check up on me to see that I'm fine. I have two little puppies, Nala and Simba. You can go see them on TikTok. I just did a little TikTok thing with them yesterday and dogs on mental health. And I will think of Think of them. They're so cute. Their faces, they make me content. They make me happy. They make me laugh. And then I'll think of maybe something else I'm grateful for. Three of my daughters work with me in the business. This is just phenomenal to have three of my, I never asked them to. They are wanted to work and they are amazing. I am able to do what I'm able to do because of my three girls and my husband. He also works in the business. So there's three things. I've just said it. I feel so different. So as I finish this podcast, which I'm about to do, I can now go do TikToks. And I'm going to actually do quite well. So watch out for the good TikToks that follow this podcast. And thank you for joining me today. And I look forward to seeing you next time. I hope you found today's podcast interesting and helpful. If you want more tips and help with managing anxiety, depression and mental health, be sure to visit my website at drleaf.com and to sign up for my weekly newsletter where I also include a schedule of my speaking events and so much more. And follow me on social media. I'm on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Just look for Dr. Caroline Leith. Also, I love seeing all your posts on social media about this podcast. I love seeing what resonates with you and what you've learned. So be sure to continue posting and tagging me and letting me know what you think and how these tips worked out for you. And don't forget, leave a review and keep spreading the word about this podcast. Thank you for joining me today. I really hope you learned something new and helpful. Till then, I'm Dr. Caroline Leaf. This podcast represents the opinions of myself and my guests. The content here should not be taken as medical advice. The content here is for educational and informational purposes only. Please consult your healthcare professional for any individual medical questions you may have. While we make every effort to ensure that the information we are sharing is accurate, we welcome any comments, suggestions, or corrections of errors.